not going to be able to resist laughing. I promise you. There is this idea of being set apart for God's dwelling place and for God's mission. And throughout all of the Old Testament, if you spent any time in the Old Testament, chances are you have come across or encountered this idea of the regulations or the conditions in which a, a very broken man or person is to encounter a very holy, set-apart God. Right? Even in the tabernacle and the temple we've been talking about over the last few weeks, there was the, by, by the design of the tabernacle and the temple, there was the outer courts and, and the inner courts and, and the holy place, and then the most holy place or the holy of holies. And so there is this design and this reality that, that holiness is not for everyone. Right? Because you can't even, as God instructed Moses in Exodus chapter 3, you can't even encounter the proximity of the presence of God without realizing that something must change. When God tells Moses in Exodus chapter 3 that this is holy ground, well, does that mean that, that, is, that, that, that because that was holy ground, well, that was the, the green light that God needed in order to show up and burn without consuming that bush? Or was it the reality that God showed up and began to burn without consuming that bush and it made the surrounding ground around it holy? Yeah, it's the second, it's the latter of those two options. Because God is holy himself, wherever he is, it changes the environment and the context around him. And all throughout the Old Testament, there are over 400 references uh, to God, from God to man, about how to approach God's holiness or being holy because God is holy. And on the flip side of that, because it's set apart and because it's uh, uh, something special and unique that, that only God can discern or decide, there is many, many instructions that are given to the, the opposite side of the coin of being defiled or profaning something that has been set apart for the purpose and the mission of God. And so all throughout the Old Testament, there is tremendous attention that is given to the idea of God being holy and that you and I as men and women must encounter him in a special way because by default, in the wake of sin in our lives, we are not. Because God hates sin, but God loves the sinner. There is no shadow of a doubt that the God of the Old Testament was holy. In fact, in the, the setup and the, the practices for the tabernacle and the temple, if a priest was unholy when he approached God, he died. And they had to drag him out because they couldn't even go in after him because they weren't holy themselves. Holiness either causes something in us to submit in holiness or it repels something from its holiness. There are only two responses to God's holiness. But you can bet that God's holiness demands a response. And I believe that as the church here in 2020, in the world we live in, I suspect that we have not spent enough time pressing into the reality of God's holiness. We sing songs like we did this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come change this place 
in the atmosphere that we're in. But yet we somewhat expect to leave without any transformation, without any semblance of uh, being molded into the image of someone made in God's likeness, having been in the presence of a holy God. In Numbers chapter 35, verse 34, as God is speaking to the people about the laws of the land, he says, you must not defile the land where you live, for I live there myself, and I am the Lord who lives among the people of Israel. And I want to tell you this morning, Shannon Oaks Church, because we have not pressed in enough to this idea and the reality of God's holiness, that as we press in this morning, I want you to know that it is impossible, impossible to live a life of sin in the presence of a holy God. It is impossible because of God's nature, not your behavior. And because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13, 8 tells us, the nature of God never changes. He is the same for now that he always has been and will forever be. That God of the Old Testament, as he was declared and described as holy and approachable, there is guaranteed confidence that we can have today that God is still holy. Amen? Our God is still holy. Even in the New Testament, the word holy or holiness is used over 200 times. And so if Jesus came to, 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 to take that conversation out of the equation, then why, does, why do the authors of the New Testament still insist on pressing into this idea of holiness? Jesus himself was found cleansing the temple on two occasions in John chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 21 because he knew that the model that was set up for the dwelling place in the presence of God, even though he embodied it fully and perfectly himself as a man, was that the reality is you cannot mix the holiness of God and the broken sinfulness of man in the same place. Because holiness from God demands a response. Since I started this morning with the shopping conversation I think it's appropriate that we continue it this morning in our time together. The, 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 the beauty of creation is as Romans chapter 1 demonstrates for us and declares that, that all of creation can know and see the truth and the wisdom that God reveals through creation. Amen. How many of you ladies are shoe shoppers this morning? I saw some fingers pointing and some elbows nudging. You know, men... Valentine's Day is coming up. I'm just going to throw that out there, right? Ladies, when you go shopping in the shoe store, you search through piles and piles and rows and rows of shoes, and somewhere along the way, you find the one that you desire, and you set them apart. And at this point, when you find the ones that you desire and you set them apart, you are making a distinction between the ones that you have just selected and what it was 30 seconds before. Because before, it was just another common shoe on the shelf, just like all the other shoes in the department store. But now your shoes have been made holy. There may be other shoes just as valuable, but to you, you have set them apart. 
And those are the shoes that you love more than any other ones in the store. And you've got plans for them. You've got thoughts on how they'll complement this outfit or how they'll really look good for this event. And now you've chosen them. And what was once a monotonous life of occupying shelf space is now an invitation to join you in your life for a specific purpose. And along the way, someone's going to praise you for those shoes you selected. And somewhere along the way, you're going to reflect back and you're going to be beaming with pride because of the shoes that you've selected. You're going to look after them and you're going to take care of them. And so you lay them on the counter at the register and you pay a price for the ones that you've set apart and you now rightfully claim them as your own. Isn't it beautiful how the gospel should not be and is not confined to the conversation of people and souls and salvation, but you can literally translate it into any area of our lives because God longs to dwell with his people that much that he has made his gospel truth permeable into any area or situation of your life. And I want to tell you this morning, Shannon Oaks Church, that God has looked the world over and he has found you, church, and he has set you apart and he has made you holy. He has a purpose for you to join him in the greatest adventure that you will ever know this side of heaven. And he has pulled you off the shelf of your monotonous, self-fulfilling life. And he has paid a price for you through Jesus Christ so that you can experience the fullness of this life. You have been set apart. Like God, who hates sin but loves the sinner, has poured himself out on you through the person of Jesus Christ and the infilling presence of his Holy Spirit so that what is true of God as a holy, powerful God is now true of you. But I can guarantee you, Shannon Oak Church, that what God declares is holy and set apart there's an enemy who wants to label it as undesirable or incredibly common. He wants to diminish the holiness that is translated from God into the people of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. And I want you to answer honestly in the core of your being. Are you holy? Are you holy? You can bet that if there's anything the enemy wants to speak into, it is the conversation of holiness. You and I, even this morning in this place, in the presence of God through his spirit and the presence of his living, breathing word in our midst, are still wrestling with whether that statement can be true of us. Because we look back on our lives and we tend to focus on our behavior instead of God's nature. And we think that there's no way that because of what I've done or because of what I didn't do, that God could even ever in his wildest dreams label me as holy. And then some of us on the other side of that spectrum 
are finding ourselves very much like the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. The religious leaders, the church leaders of the day who prided themselves on their ability to determine what was holy and that they could reach it through their human efforts and that they could point out the reality of someone else being short or discredited in their holiness. And some of us have just thrown caution to the wind. And we've said that's something we would never, ever attain or aspire to. And so therefore, what's the point? And we live our lives on this downward spiral of sin and brokenness and devastation and loss because the enemy is speaking into this conversation in your heart, in your life right now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16, tells us this. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. I need to tell somebody this morning in our gathering that God doesn't need us to live a holy life. He doesn't need us to live a holy life. Jesus' holiness was good enough for us. Not just once, but forever. Let me tell you a secret this morning, Shannon Oak Church, a secret that the devil does not want you to be in on. We need us to live a holy life. Amen? Holiness is God's gift to us, for us, in this journey. It's not some carrot that we can never reach or attain or aspire to in the journey of connection to God. We need us to live a holy life because, because that, that sin that God hates so much is something that you and I should develop a taste to hate in and of ourselves. There are, there are, there are many things that are true of sin, but there are three things I want to point out this morning as we, as we wind down this time together. Sin condemns us. Sin brings condemnation into our lives. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But guess what happens? Guess how good the enemy is in our lives. When we sin, God doesn't hold that against us. But what does the enemy do against us? He holds it over us. And we, we join him in upholding that over us, right? We cower down in relationship and connection and think there's no way that we'll ever be as good as we once were. There's no way that I can ever get back to where I was. There's no way that that, that relationship or that opportunity will ever come back around. I have ruined it because we have received the condemnation that the enemy always brings through sin. Sin also fortifies strongholds. In our lives, the more you feed something, the stronger and the bigger it grows. And so as we engage the brokenness of sin in our lives, the more it has a hold on who we are and where we are going. And the harder 
it is to break free from that. Sin fortifies the strongholds in our lives, but sin invites destruction into our lives. Destruction that you and I know too well. Relationships that have been severed. Dreams that have been shattered. Bodies that have suffered over year upon year upon year of sin and brokenness and rebellion against God. As long as you live a life of sin, you will never experience the fullness of dwelling in the presence of God. Not because of your behavior, but because of God's nature. Jesus, I believe with all my heart, still wants to cleanse the temple of our hearts and our lives this morning. He has not looked upon us and said, what's the point? He has surrendered and sacrificed everything once and for all. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Because God's word is living and breathing and active even in our gathering today, I want you to ask God to share with you his revealed word. In other words, to speak to you through the presence and the person of his Holy Spirit. And I want you to ask God this morning this question. God, am I holy? God, am I holy? Do you see me as holy? As he responds, I want you to echo back to God the answer that he gives to you. Scripture calls that confessing. In other words, agreeing with God on his truth in our lives. Tell God back how he answered that question for you. And then I want you to ask God another question this morning. Ask him, God, what in my life do you want to cleanse from this temple? God, what in my life do you want to cleanse from this temple? And then I want you to echo back to God what he revealed and spoke to you just now. And now I have a question for you. What are you going to do about it? Shannon Oaks Church, you have been set apart. You are holy in the eyes of God our Father. He has created you and anointed you for a purpose, an adventure in his kingdom for his glory. Are you willing to acknowledge that holiness cannot exist in the presence of sin and brokenness in our lives? And that in order to get closer to God and the fullness of what he has in store, then we must find what that is to lay down and surrender before him so that more of him can overtake who we are. There's an altar here at the front in just a minute. You may want to come and kneel and deal with the Lord in something in your heart that he's put on you and, and stirred through you that conversation this morning. 
You may be here for something altogether different that, that, that just needs prayer and, and, and supplication before the Lord. There's going to be ministry team members here at the front and the back of the room. And if you need prayer for anything, prayer is not just for people who are struggling or bad or who are corrupt or dangerous. Prayer is for everybody. And we believe in the power of prayer. Because God loves to pour out his miracles and his supernatural power on his children. So as you come this morning, I'm encouraging you to hear God's voice and respond to him as he leads. Would you stand to your feet this morning and let me pray for you? Father, holy Father, may we be your people who expect the transformative power of your holy presence in our lives. And may you strip away, even now, the callousness and the complacement in our hearts so that we become more like you each and every step of the way. Be glorified, Jesus, in this place, in our hearts, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.